Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well... Oh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network. So whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at tmobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com. Well, hello, everyone. Uh, you have tuned in to another edition of The Three Questions with Andy Richter. Coincidentally, I am him. Uh, and I am talking today with a very talented actress that you have seen in 1,000 things. Uh, <laughs> which, I mean, that's a that's a saying something, you know, as a character. I'm exhausted. Actor, that, I'm exhausted. Means, yeah. <laughs> well, it means it means you're doing well, you know. Uh, yeah. But it, I'm talking to Anna Camp, um, whose work I have really, really, really enjoyed. Uh, and I think because you and I have never met face-to-face i don't think we did conan oh we did we did a long 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 time ago way sorry hey (laughs) sorry about that it was story i was just i was an up-and-comer you know all right was that what was that for (laughs) that was for true blood oh okay yeah Yeah. jesus that was a long time ago that was over a decade i think it was over 10 years or something eight years yeah that was like four medications ago so i have excuses (laughs) for why i don't remember anything (laughs) I do not uh, hold anything against you. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm that way too. Whenever anybody like, if they don't remember meeting me or, or don't know who I am and they apologize, I'm like, why the fuck would you know who I am? You don't, you know. I'm shocked that people want to talk to me in the first place, yeah, to be yeah. honest. Well, so, well I, had to be, I had to be heavily coerced into it. You do have a, an amazing publicity team that really twisted my arm. <laughs> I'm glad it worked out. I'm glad that what I'm paying them is worth it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, I've all, I'd like to work. And one one thing, and, and I mean, it was like Emmy worthy. What you the part you played in? Uh, and I think I did reach out to you. I think I talked to you on Twitter about this. The part mm-hmm. you played on Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt was like one of the best, like multifaceted comic kind of brittle brittle awful people <laughs> that i've seen in a long time it was really really great work and i i don't know you know like Thank one of those you. kind of things where i feel like somebody should be noticing those sorts of things for emmys but that's so you know. nice that's so nice i like i loved playing that psychopath i did yeah she's yeah. a fun very fun role to do yeah like like yeah. i love playing crazy people and she's one of the my favorite crazy people i've ever played well because there were so many different levels going on and like it's also always nice and I mean, I understand, you know, it's comedy. So there's always, you're always sort of pressed for time and it's yeah. all about getting the jokes out, you know, but if they mm-hmm. can squeeze in some like pathos and some, cause like 
that was a, that's a tragic woman, that woman, like, you know? Right. And I know so many women like that. Honestly, I do. So it was nice to draw from my own personal experience of growing up in, I know she's not from the South, she's from New York, but I know a lot of Southern women who are about to snap all the time. Yeah, yeah, kind of, yeah. Like they seem to have everything going for them except for uh, any sort of happiness. (laughs) Any small, small, morsel of happiness. All the money in the world and yeah. Just yeah. wanting someone to put them out of their misery. And luckily, yeah, Jake yeah. Krakowski was there to, to help. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> well, now, you are from you are from the South, right? You're from South Carolina? Yeah, I sure yeah. am. Very uh, where, small town. Whereabouts? Uh, I was born in a small town called Aiken. It's, yeah. No one ever, you know it? I know of it. I mean, I've heard oh, okay. of it. Is yeah, there a school very... there? Is there a college there? I don't know. I don't oh. think so. I don't oh, okay. think so. Very small no, but... town, but... It's famous for Clay Aiken, right? <laughs> he's from South Carolina, though. I know he, he is, is. I know he but is. But he's I not know. from Aiken. He's not uh, from maybe, Aiken. Maybe yeah. that's just, I mean, I know I've heard of Aiken, South Carolina. We used to, my family yeah. and I, years ago, we used to go to Pauly's Island a lot. Uh, Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So we, yeah. you know, and Myrtle Beach, you know, classy, classy Myrtle Beach. We. I love there me some bit. Myrtle Beach, my friend. I it, literally, it's just the tack, it's the Redneck Riviera. It is unbelievable. It is really, mm-hmm. truly an unbelievable place. And I mean, we, my son was pretty small the last time we were there and we realized like, eh, this is not the place to bring toddlers. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know? Not it's, unless they want to go to strip clubs or yes. be a part of biker week. Yeah. Or do shooters, you know, do shots. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Little yeah, baby definitely. shots. It uh, smells like cigarettes and seafood. Yeah, yeah, but what's uh, but a crazy beautiful beach, like one of the best beaches in the world. It's it's kind of amazing, and I also love too that on Tiger King, that they not they it's based in Oklahoma, but they managed to bring in Florida and Myrtle Beach. Into, oh yeah, you know that it it, it like the triumvirate of of tacky white trash geography. That was the perfect storm of the tackiest yeah. places on earth, yeah, which I yeah. enjoy immensely, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, you know, this, you know, this podcast, I'm going to, you know, we're going to delve into your past that's okay with you. I'm scared, but Uh, yeah, let's do it. So, uh, was it, did you come from a big family? I came from a relatively small family. Um, just me, my mom, my dad, and my sister. Okay. And we grew up in Columbia, South Carolina, mainly. Yeah. Um, and I, my relatives live in Camden, South Carolina. So my mom and dad met in high school. They met when they were super young um, in Camden, South Carolina, and fell in love and then got married really young. My, my mom got married when she was 21 years mm-hmm. old, had my sister when she was 22, That's and then had crazy. me seven years Can you, years imagine? Later. Can you no. imagine being 22 and having a baby? Oh. God, no. No, no, yeah, no. Yeah. I'm 37 and I can barely picture it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, it is. Well, the the main thing is, is that you're, well, I mean, depending how you do it, it's like your life is over. Like you really, it is like you got it. When you have kids, you, I mean, your life isn't over, over, but no, you no, are like, no. you have, you have given yourself a new job. A new, like, round-the-clock full-time job. And if you're not ready for that. I just am not ready for that yet. I definitely, I I feel like I need to be, like, so 
in in love with the person that I'm with or if you know I do it on my I don't know if I do it on my own whatever I need to be very ready to just not want to leave my house and I feel like yeah. maybe quarantine is helping prepare me for that <laughs> <laughs> that's right it's all a scheme in, in order to make women have babies this whole well thing. you know a lot of people are probably getting pregnant right now to be absolutely honest. well I mean I've heard, you know, every time I've said, I bet there's a lot of people getting pregnant. There are people who say like, yeah, and a lot of people are getting divorced. A lot of people are splitting <laughs> up. And I, you know, and yeah, I, I can imagine. I can imagine it's probably doing both to people. Yeah, um, it's a weird time. That's for sure. Yeah. Did your folks stay together? I mean, yeah. They've They're been together, together now. E- wow. Yeah. As, e- as high school sweethearts. Wow. That's really something. They're going to celebrate their 47th. Wow. Wedding anniversary? Congrats, mom and dad. I can't even believe it. I mean, they are, I mean, I don't know. I think they're happy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I can't tell. I think they are. They are. I think they love each other. You know, I definitely do. They've been together for so long. I don't know if there's like a choice at this point to like, you just love. It's kind of like Stockholm Syndrome. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I bet they'd really. You should give that, do that as a speech at their 50th wedding anniversary. Oh, they'll love it. They'll love it. <laughs> really? Well, did they, um, did they ever date anybody else once they were together? Have they been together straight on through? They've been together straight on through. I mean, I did hear about, you know, how my, my dad's ex-girlfriend. My dad had like a very specific ex-girlfriend that he talked about a lot. Her name was Anne. Oh. Which was odd that they named me Anna because I remember my mom telling me that my dad even offered up that name when they were naming me as one of the names. I was going to be either Anne, Sally was another one, or Savannah. And I'm so glad that I, I think I lucked out with Anna. Because you did. Can you imagine someone being named Savannah Camp? Yeah, Savannah <laughs> Camp is too much. And Sally Camp sounds like an old folk song. You know, like, <laughs> you know, yeah. sounds like, you know. Some Softball. turn of the century, like, yeah, like some, you know, pioneer woman, Sally Camp. <laughs> Sally Camp. <laughs> With like a, a rifle and some yeah. boots being like, yeah, yeah. I'll take care of you guys. Yeah, no, yeah. Anna, Anna Camp. That's what they landed on. I'm very happy about that. And I know my mother, my mother dated a lot. She had a lot of gentleman callers, you know. Yeah. I sometimes feel as if I came from a Tennessee Williams play. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, my mom. My mom is, you know, was always telling me about all of her suitors that she had, and she grew up over a funeral home. Like that was their family business. Yeah. So she moved out of the house in, in Camden, South Carolina, and she lived with her great aunt who lived over a funeral home. So like, there's always some weird, creepy things that I, you know, when we go back for Christmases and Thanksgivings, hear about weird ghost stories and. And how my mom is also a little OCD now, I think, from living over a funeral home. Like, she'll walk into a restaurant when those used to be things, and she'll see, like, a, a glass that has a chip on it. And she's like, don't drink out of that. You know what I mean? Like, you could die. <laughs> so, it's like a weird... <laughs> Wait, I, I was it's, expecting, because it's haunted. Because she, you know, because the funeral home, or she just... It's is, both. It's both. Yeah, she's yeah. also just has, like, a whole thing with, like, now cleanliness and, like, things that could possibly kill you. Oh, Wow. <laughs> Oh, wow. That's exciting. Wow, that's, yeah, that is a little. That's you know, it's like a version of a Tennessee Williams thing, I guess. Yeah. Um, yes, it is. Well, is the family still in the mortuary business? Her, yeah. My uncle, my uncle is now the owner of the family business, the funeral business. You want to plug um, and, him? Uh, you want to give him a plug? The Carnegie Funeral Home in Camden, South Carolina. 
Check um, it out, people. Check it out. Check it if out. You're gonna, if you're going to die in Camden, <laughs> do die it there. Class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Make 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 your mourners <laughs> envious of, of of your good taste. They really do a good job. Yeah, they yeah. They really, really do. Anna Camp vouches. It's um <laughs> it's I always, you know, cuz I'm from a small town in the Midwest and I'm I was always struck by how the funeral home is like the nicest house in town. Is that the case yeah. with is that the case with your it, family one? Yeah. It was. I mean, going over to, it, it's like, there was like a big house, right? Like that my grandma and grandpa lived in and they had like a beautiful backyard with like magnolia trees and Spanish moss and they had this like big pool and then across the parking lot was the funeral home. Yeah. So, you know, and, and, and it was this, but my, my grandpa who I never met uh, on my mom's side, uh, he also drove the ambulances. So he like owned the funeral home, but at the time in the sixties, I guess he was also picking up the, this is turned not where I was. No, that's all right. That's all right. <laughs> um, but he also drove the ambulances, but he, my dad always said he was like the classiest guy he's ever met because he would get my dad's car washed at the funeral home when my dad was over like dating my mom. And like hanging out. And then my dad would come out and see that my granddad had gotten his car washed. And he just said it was like the most fancy place to go ever. Wow. And that he thought it was so cool. You know? Yeah. That is pretty smooth. So Especially usually. Yeah. That's nice. It's yeah. an, I mean, it's better than the alternative of like a father being all, you're you dating my daughter, all that stuff. I hate all that. Like when people are like, yeah. that whole attitude. I've always been like, eh, I don't know if my daughter likes him, you know. Yeah, need, if she's happy, to, like, why yeah, do you yeah. care so much? Go why ahead, do you need to, like, yeah. scare away all these yeah. boys that could take her off your hands? Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what kind of what kind of household did you grow up in? I mean, were, were your folks, were they funny people? Were they out, you know, were they sort of dramatic? Or, you my, know, dad, you? my dad's funny. Yeah. Really funny. Yeah. He he's one of the funniest guys I think I've I've ever met. I think that's where I got, you know, hopefully <laughs> some yeah. of my sense of humor from. Um, he is a he he's a banker. He went to the Citadel. He went to like a military school, which is yeah. like the last place that I would ever see him, but he had a choice about whether to go to no no college or to that college. So wow. he went there. And I think that he got through a lot of his like life in college by making people laugh. Um, and I kind of picked up on that. My mom was a ballerina for a while. She was a very oh, wow. talented, um, dancer. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, maybe I, I got a little of my creative, um, abilities from both of them combined. Yeah. And my sister was also an actor for a while. She's seven years older than I am. And I <clears throat> grew up watching her and, um, she now teaches acting in South Carolina. Oh, wow. But, um, yeah, but I, there's a lot, there's a lot of creativity in our family and I grew up with it. And, uh, were you, were you like a theater kid growing up? I mean, yeah, uh, yeah, 100%. pretty immersed big, in it. Very much so. I mean, my sister was taking acting classes before I did and we were watching like old movies together all the time. And I was watching like, you know, Gone with the Wind and all of these black and white films and, you know, falling in love with these actors and just I remember being really little, like watching these movies um, and wanting to do what she was doing. So my parents put me in acting class and I, I kind of like couldn't stop. It was something that I knew I wanted to do. I mean, if I could have done anything else, I think I would have because it's not the easiest job in the world. You know? Yeah. Um, but it's what, where what, I feel the most happy. When you felt the 
like, do you know what that initial charge was when you were a little kid? Like, what precisely it was about it? Was it the being someone else? Was it being in front of an audience? Was it just living a fantasy kind of for a moment? I think, I mean, a, a lot of people have asked me this, actually, and I, I remember specifically. God damn it, I knew. I was no! trying to be clever. I love this question. I love this question. I was a really little kid in about second grade, and we were all asked to recite a poem to our class. I remember some little kids were like, no, I'm going to do that. You know, people were like, all the little boys like hated it. And some yeah, yeah. Very nervous. But I remember I recited this poem about like somewhere in Africa. This is the weirdest thing for a little kid in South Carolina to be saying, but it's like a a, a, a a poem about a place in Africa and it wouldn't rain and all of these animals were dying. And it was this like very dramatic poem about how this place needed so much rain. And I remember standing in front of my entire class reciting this crazy poem and looking up and seeing my teacher cry. Oh, wow. And then I remember I felt like I was going to cry for the first time and seeing other, the other students kind of looking at me. And I remember going, what just happened? Yeah. You know, and saying, wow, I think that I, co- I connected with yeah. these people. And then I think from then on, I realized that like that was this kind of high that I was always chasing and I'm still chasing to this day is yeah. to like to be able to move and affect the people, whether it's your acting partner or whether it's an audience. I think that that's kind of this drug that, that drives me, you know, yeah. to feel like you've moved someone and, and given them a cathartic experience. And I, I feel like I found that like super young, surprisingly. Oh, really? So, yeah. And, and was was there a lot of acting to be done as a kid in the around there? Or? Well, I mean, I was uh, my first role ever was a dare to keep kids off drugs play. Uh huh. <laughs> do you remember the sure. dare program? I do. I do. Um, Nancy Reagan's thing. Yes, it sure yeah. was. And I was cast as a drug dealer. Nice. I was. Um, Typical. And <laughs> Typical St- you're getting those st- same kind of roles today. Typecast, you know what I mean? <laughs> All the time, over and over. That's immediately what you think of when you think of me. Um, yeah. And then I did a lot of community theater. Um, and my yeah. mom drove me to every acting class and waited in the parking lot. Like, very dedicated. I was never, I never got a lot of pushback from them. Like, I got a lot of support. For them to be an actor. I was really upset though because I wanted to move to New York before I went to college. Like I wanted to move to New York when I was in high school because I yeah. knew this is what I wanted to do and they refused. Absolutely refused to let me go. And I was yeah. pissed off for like a while that I couldn't go do what I wanted to do. But I'm glad, you know, I got a degree and I got way better training and I yes. think that I hopefully will have a lengthy career because of because of the training that I've gotten. So, well, and I, you know, and also too just to be that <laughs> to be that young and be dropped in New York City to study acting is like basically, you know, covering you in honey and dropping you in a bear <laughs> pen. You know, it just it's it's would been it's it's good for them that they made you wait. You know, it is. It is. Yeah. I would have been hitting the bars, you know, a little too young and got yeah, probably yeah. a little crazy. So I'm happy they protected me from that. Yeah, sure. I did all of that in college while they were paying for it. So. Right, exactly. You, but you're doing it like in a place, you know, that's like a little safer and everyone's yeah. the same age and you don't have. And also, too, I mean, you I imagine like the thing that I've the. The thing that, about like young people acting is that you really, in my estimation, it's really important 
to be to steel yourself against the constant judgment again like you're where every single second that you're alive in front of these people you're being judged and you're being mm-hmm. judged on everything you know especially mm-hmm. like you know like physicality and your voice and and it just it's really hard to not let that be damaging if you haven't gotten the calluses built up or just the, Mm -hmm. you know, the ability to not give a shit what these people think about you. I finally feel like I'm getting to the point where I don't care. But I mean, that's really recent because I, I mean, I've seen so much people want to tear you, tear you apart. You know what I mean? People want to judge you more than they want to support. I feel, um, and I had to really fight to ignore that, especially growing up in the South when you are a little more concerned with the way, you know, you look to other people. Um, and, and as a woman, I think in the South also, like you're, you're trained to present this kind of perfect idea of who you are. And I really had to fight to, ha- to, to not care about that stuff. Yeah. Um, and I, I feel like it's, 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 I have a long way to go still, but it's like, I'm 37. I feel like I, I care a lot less now yeah, yeah. than I used to. That's for sure. It's, it's the, it's like the, the secret bonus prize of getting older is just all kinds of stuff that used to worry you, mm-hmm. used to stress you out, just doesn't matter. You just realize, oh, that, why did I worry about that? That's silly. You know, sometimes when I see like older, older people in line at the grocery store and they're like mad about something, I'm like, I can't wait to be that person. <laughs> like I can't wait. I can't wait to just let it all be like hang out and be like, yeah, I'm yeah. pissed about this. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, give me that as a discount. I don't know. Whatever. Right, what right. have I got to lose? Like, I I'm, think that's gonna be fun. I think a lot of those people are just mad because they're old. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot to be mad about once you get old. <laughs> um, sure. I mean that that old, you know. Yeah. Now you, yeah. I, I read, I read somewhere. Um, in you know, I do a lot of research for this show. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I read. <laughs> I mean, I do a little bit of research, but um, I uh, I read somewhere that you were kind of picked on, like you know that like that you have. I mean, and you have, and this isn't, you know, you, the problem. And this is show business. You're good mm-hmm. at playing kind of various versions of the blonde. Mm-hmm. If I if I I don't mean to be you know no I that's think that is so this. true I mean I yeah. I definitely yeah and I'm not complaining like it's gotten me a lot really far you know yeah and you do you know and it's like you know I I play I either play kind of the you know I mean I am sort of you know I just in, in I don't do a lot of outside work these days but when I did I was like the idiot <laughs> or the nice friend you know like kind of the simple nice friend. And yeah. I couldn't get anything, you know, it was like hard to get anything else. So they tell you what you are and then you're like, mm-hmm. well, all right. And if you do a good job at it, then they just keep you doing that. But that's not, you said that's not who you were when you were little, like. No, not at all. Yeah. I was a big, I mean, I had one friend. I had one friend who's still my one friend from high school. I wow. was, I was definitely, you know, I think I know how to play these characters that, that, pick on and and bully you know like somebody like from pitch perfect like aubrey or whoever that i played like i i was so picked on in school that i in a way am getting some kind of revenge on all of those girls by playing parts like that yeah yeah and because that's not me inside i think it gives me you know hopefully it makes the character a well-rounded person that you 
you feel for her, even though she is being so mean and crazy, like in Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, that the person underneath is incredibly vulnerable. Yeah. You know, and does not, uh, who, who wants to so desperately be in control, but who, who can't. Yeah. You know, I think that that gives me a layer that just, if I was a complete, like you can't, a stup- like a person who's not that intelligent cannot play a person that's not that intelligent very well. I've always right, said. Right, right. Like I agree. you have to be very smart. And also I to agree. be someone who's playing like the uptight bitch, I think to have a layer to that, you actually need to be, you know, a kind, well-rounded person because there's just, it's not interesting to see a bitch play a bitch, right? Like we get that. <laughs> there, there, yeah. I mean, I, 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 uh, some ma- names came to mind immediately that sort of disproved that theory, but oh. I'll, I'll tell you those later. <laughs> okay. That'll be off record. Yeah. Off Cause record. there's, there's okay. definitely, but I mean, you know, it's the same thing. Like, you know, some people play what they are, you know, like some people play That's the true. same, the same person over and over. And I mean, and there are sometimes there are like a lot of actors that play assholes who are, yeah. They're, Cause they're kind of an asshole, you know, they just do yeah. what comes naturally. So I hate, um, I hate hearing that people are assholes, though, man. I just so, They are. There's so many of them, though. And I've run into a lot of them, too, in this career. But yeah. I always find, and I don't say this to, like, pat myself on the back, but when I go work other places where people don't know me as well, the, the amount of people telling me, wow, you are so nice and easy to work with and not an asshole, I just think, like, Wow, there must be so many fucking assholes out there. <laughs> I think that the same thing. Fe- feel the ner- the need to like say you're a decent normal human <laughs> being who's polite and considerate. Like it's like that you shouldn't get an award for that. No, you, know? you should be it should, like it should be a normal thing. thing to yeah, be yeah. cooperative and collaborative and not this crazy surprise that you're, yeah. you know, pleasant to work with. Oh, I get that all the time too and I'm always like well, then hire me again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was just, I just, I just recorded one of these with the singer Nico Case, and that was mm. like one of her main points of the whole of everything was she just said, don't work with assholes. Yeah. Don't work with assholes. And no it asshole is true. policy. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, as much as you can, you can't, you know. Yeah. If you get hired on something and the director's an asshole, you mean, you know, what then do you you're kind of stuck working with an yeah, asshole. You're, yeah, exactly. That's definitely true. exactly. There's going to be assholes everywhere. I think it's also how you deal with them. Yeah. That, yeah. that makes a difference because if you take it personally, like I've decided yeah. not to take anything personally in this business. When I'm on set and an actor is being like a jerk to me or whatever and not giving me anything, I just turn it around on them and be like, that has way more to do with them than it does with me. Yeah. You know, I like, they are probably afraid of failure, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most times assholes are afraid of looking. Afraid. Yeah. yeah. Afraid so. of something. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of them, well, I don't know. A lot of them are afraid. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's, I'm not going to sit here and hypothesize about assholes. Okay. Let's not. I'm going to, we're going <laughs> to, we're going to talk about good things and good okay. things. Well now, but I mean, but what was, what were you doing? I mean, what do you think, what were kids what was their beef with you? I mean, I, I know that you didn't do anything, but I mean, what do you? Th- what was happening? Do you think that they just? I was, was quiet. Herd mentality is that what I it was, is? Maybe I was definitely a super quiet kid growing up. Um, I mean, I had a girl pull my hair out once and floss her teeth with it, like in school. Like I don't even That's know what I did. Like- that sounds like mental illness more than, <laughs> than bullying. My goodness. Isn't that wow. awful? That's the South. That's the South. 
And was she was she one of the like uh, you know kind of debutante types? No, no, she was just one of the like bigger girls. I think she was like yeah. held back, you know, and, and uh, definitely. Uh-oh. Um, I was not, uh, um, I was a smaller, uh, girl. I see. I see. <laughs> so so I mean, she was really into oral hygiene. It was, you know, very pressing matter. She knew her. that I, I, I washed my hair with Pantene Pro-V. She knew it was like very, uh, clean. And so she didn't have gloss and that happened. Wow. I don't actually know what happened. I mean, I would have lollipops thrown at the back of my head. I would have people write awful things on, on bathroom stalls about me. And I was kind of the nicest person. I, I never was mean. I don't recall being mean to anyone when yeah. I was growing up, ever. Do you have, I mean, did you, were your folks aware of this or was the school aware of this or did you just kind of? I never told my it? folks. I never told my folks. I was a little embarrassed of it. I always felt like it made me seem like I was like, that I had done something wrong and that I was kind of a loser or whatever. So I was embarrassed. I never told my parents, but I did tell some teachers once that something really awful had been written about me on the bathroom wall. And I remember at the end of class, Mrs. Egan, Mrs. Egan, who smelled like cigarettes and Werther's candies, handed me a bottle of Windex and a roll of paper towels. And I remember going, what's this for? And she was like, to clean it off. And so I had to go into the bathroom stall after school and clean off what they had written about me by myself on the, on the stall. And I had done nothing wrong. And I'll never forget sitting there scrubbing going, what in the world did I do to piss yeah. these girls off so much? I have no and idea. To, to this what day. age was this? That was sixth grade. Wow. Yeah. I think sixth grade, too, is a particularly rough. I have an eighth eighth grader, and mm-hmm. well, I have a college freshman and eighth grader children. Oh, wow. And sixth grade was really rough. Sixth grade, uh, it it would go from triumph to tragedy in oh. the span of three hours. You know, so. Oh, I know, I know. It's hard, especially for girls. I don't know. Is your eighth grader a boy or a girl? Girl, I have a girl. my my daughter's fourteen and my son's nineteen. Okay. So okay. yeah. Yeah, it just turns into a little bit like um, survival of the fittest when you get to yeah. sixth grade. And the, the, the group mentality. Like if you exhibit any kind of form of weakness or even being kind, I think, at that stage is a form of, of yeah. weakness. And they smell it on you, you know? Do you, do you get to do you get to talk to anybody while this is happening? Like do you confide in your sister about it? I mean, because it's a lot for a kid to carry, you know? I think I confided in my best friend, my one friend um, yeah. named Bonnie, who was also kind of going through the same thing. And I think that I I delved into acting. Like yeah. I just like would go to my acting classes that were outside of my high school and it became my support group when we were a bunch of like theater nerds, you know, who kind of yeah. found each other, who all felt different. And it's like when, you, when you're considered weird at your high school, to be able to like find a group of all of the weird people that oh, you don't yeah, feel yeah. so weird. And I think yeah. that was theater was my, my saving grace. I think while I was growing up for sure, if I didn't and have you, that, I don't know. Do you think that also kind of informed a Let me get the hell out of here kind of feeling? A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And was I, that, <laughs> so, you know, even if it wasn't New York, it would have been somewhere. If it wasn't acting in New York, do you think it would have been something somewhere? Yeah. 
I never fit in. I never felt like I fit in. I, I didn't like going to the football games. I didn't like doing the homecoming thing, which is so odd because I play those types of roles all the time, like the popular yeah, yeah. girl. But I was never, I, I hated all that stuff. I just felt like nobody got me. I was nervous, you know, had anxiety around all the popular kids. Um, so that's, I, w- I was ready to hit the road, Jack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> really, really, really early on. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I wish that I had somebody could have told me back then that the feeling I was feeling was not permanent. You know, yeah. I, I didn't know that. And nobody, I didn't have anybody to tell me that that was going to change. I mean, I think maybe my mom and dad tried to, but you can't mm-hmm. listen to your mom and dad that much, you know, at that age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just, yeah, no, I mean, yeah. Well, yeah, because, you know, it's also, there's so much going on emotionally, mentally, physically that you don't want your parents in there. You know, I mean, no. You, yeah. I mean, and even because you're also you're resisting the notion of yourself as a child when you are still very much a child. I say mm-hmm. that as a parent of teenagers, like they are way even my 19 year old son is still there's still so much of a child in him. And I don't and I, I he's not a childish person. He's not an immature person. He's a very responsible, capable person. But he's 19, you know, yeah. five minutes ago. He was, you know, learning to ride a bike, it seems. So it's just, yeah, you don't want, you don't lean on your parents. You need to go out and find your own way on this stuff. And there's also like, um, there's also this always just trying to force yourself to be more of an adult than you really are. Like I found myself like not being present when I was a kid. I found myself always wanting to be older. Always yeah. wanting to be somewhere else. When is yeah. the clock going to go when I'm sitting in my like eighth grade science class? Like, when will this be over? When will that be over? When can I drive a car? When can I da 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 da? And I wish that I had been more present. But I think that might just be inherently a, the human condition of being a teenager. It can't. Yeah. I mean, it all depends on the, it all depends on the person. But I, I mean, I relate to that. I was like, I didn't, I didn't know why I need, and I just want to, I do want to note though, what was interesting is while you're saying that people may be able to hear the ice cream truck drove by my house, right? When you were saying of all that, but wanting to grow up. Oh, weird. I like that. That's cool. Then Turkey in the straw was playing by the ice cream truck. Oh man. Um, But uh yeah, I, I think I was, the, you know, it's you, especially when you grow up in a small place, I think the South, I'm I'm hypothesizing here, is probably mm-hmm. even a little, adds a little layer onto that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't wait to get out of there. You just like this feeling. And like I, because I had it, I didn't even know what it was. I didn't even know what it was. It was like, I don't think I'm gay, but, you know, mm-hmm. I who knows? And, uh, you know, but I do mm-hmm. know that I... And I wasn't like unpopular and I, but I just was like, I am miserable here. Mm-hmm. Nothing appeals to me. I, this, all, all of this is not enough. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you go to the city and you figure out, oh, okay, <laughs> this is it. Yeah. This is nice. So you went, yeah, you mm-hmm. went to school in North Carolina, right? It was always going to be theater. There was no sort of fallback, no nothing, no, no sort way, of no way. I mean, yeah. I didn't have, I, I, I went straight into conservatory college. I went there my senior year of high school, even because I was so oh, stoked wow. to get out of that town. That I so was you like, graduated early, or or just was there some a, overlap program? They have an overlap yeah. program for seniors in high school. So I went my senior year of high school to my eventual college um, uh-huh. in North Carolina, and was you know immersed in 
with college students, you know what I mean? Like we're living on campus. Uh, we just have like a, it's over the hill. So there's like the high school kids are over the hill and then there's like the college life. Um, but I definitely was more free than I had ever been. I was not living under my parents' roof. Um, right. and they were pretty protective, you know, um, great, great, great parents. I love that. But they definitely kept an eye on me and my sister, a tight eye. Yeah. You know? My dad was in military and went to, was in the Air Force, and there was that kind of vibe yeah, yeah, <laughs> at home. Yeah. So I was very excited to get out and spread my wings a little bit and go a year yeah. early. And then I fell in love with that co- that school and auditioned to go to the four-year program, and, and I got in. And really, like, I, I don't think I could have done anything else, which is a little terrifying because like right now with everything that's going on with the industry and the entertainment industry, I'm like, what, what am I going to do if I can't get onto a set? You know what I mean? Like that's all I've done since I was a little kid. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. I can't crochet. I don't think anyone's going to buy my socks. You know what I mean? I'm yeah, I know. <laughs> I well, know. it's, I don't, you know, I don't, it's, it, it, I mean, I, I get it. It's like mm-hmm. you kind of, this time does, but I just feel like you can't make any decisions or any plans or worry too much about anything that's going on right now. Cause it yeah. just kind of is like hitting pause. I mean, if you, mm-hmm. you know, of course, if you keep, you know, it's easy to say, I, you know, like I have a job that's paying me and I'm really lucky to have that. So it's easy for me to say, yeah, it's just on pause. If I didn't have any money coming in, it wouldn't be on pause. It'd be, holy shit. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, you know, but, yeah, I don't think, I, you know, and you'll figure something, you know, well, I yeah. don't think you got to worry It'll about happen. It, Listen, you know? and like, yeah, it's yeah. all going to shift and change. There's just those days, you know, yeah. in this whole, like, it seems like a crazy social experiment also that, like, you, yeah, yeah. one day you're at peace and happy for the day, and then the next day you're, like, in full panic mode. Yeah, yeah. That's kind no. of what's been happening. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's very, it's, it's just like, it's, there's nothing else like it. Like, you know, there's <laughs> not, been nothing in anyone's lifetimes like, no. oh yeah, everyone's going to stay home for a number of months. It's really. It's really wild. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also too, and like I say, like for me to sit here and go like, ah, eh, you'll work. I always find that as a showbiz thing where people have told me, you know, if I ever worried about my viability in an ongoing way, people would be like, oh, you'll work forever. But it's like mm-hmm. other people can feel that, but you cannot like, there's just, you never believe that you never no. like, like, ah, I don't have to worry. Like you're always like, no, nah, I'm the one person on earth. It's got to worry <laughs> yeah. about Andy Richter, you know. If like, anybody has that, yeah. yeah and yeah. like, I think when you get like, if I've, if I've ever met someone who's like, oh no, I've got it all figured out. Oh no, I'm gonna work forever. I'm like, asshole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like and, they don't know yeah. what they're talking about. Right, right, right. Exactly. <laughs> Enjoy your real estate license. <laughs> um, meanest, one of the meanest things I've ever said. Burn. Uh, <laughs> no, because there's people out there right now who are like, fuck yeah. you. That hurts. Yeah, no, you're right. I know, I know, I know, I know. You're right, you're right. <laughs> so sorry. Sorry, realtors. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, so you were, so w- that was a very happy place then. I mean, did it, did it then turn out to when you were done with college, it was hard to go to New York? Or were you, was that always such a foregone conclusion that you didn't? It was not hard at all. I mean, yeah, I was yeah. like a cannon. I was a racehorse ready for the yeah. dang 
gates to open and I was running full speed, you know, but it was wild because I like ran and then I like, I, I moved to 189th and St. Nick. So I was in Washington Heights. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was sharing a, a very small apartment with like five, like, wait, like four other people. We turned a two bedroom into a three bedroom. Um, mm-hmm. And one of my roommates, his name was Tom Sawyer. Shout out to Tom okay. Sawyer. I love him and yeah. his family that named him Tom Sawyer. I love, that's amazing. <laughs> um, and I, you know, was getting, taking the one nine was a one nine train and I would uh, go up there and like go what, every stop and have to go to auditions. And, you know, I, I didn't book anything for a minute and I was freaking out. I yeah. was freaking out that like, oh God, this is the real world. Like I'm not in my college bubble of North Carolina School of the Arts anymore. I'm literally living in Washington Heights. I'm like the only blonde chick for miles. I'm wearing a polka dot dress, trying to get to the train to go audition for like thoroughly modern Millie. You know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. going in and like tanking it and being terrible and feeling like I'm never going to work and then walking to the bodega near my apartment where I spoke no Spanish and getting like a six pack of Corona and I remember going up, that was my first audition that I had that it was, I bombed. It was so bad. I remember just like drinking beer in this apartment, like in the middle of Washington Heights, being a little bit like, oh God, what have I done? Yeah. How am I going to make it? Am yeah. I going to make it? Is this a huge mistake? Um, but having the friends that I graduated school with to have that support system was huge. Is and that then, who was living with you? Were friends from school or? Yeah. Yeah, okay. We drove up in a, a U-Haul. Like we all rented a U-Haul, packed everything that we could into the back of a U-Haul and wow. drove up to Washington Heights and got this little apartment and hustled, you know? Yeah. Um, and it was exciting. It was like, I can't believe like I'm sitting here talking to you today about that time when like in my mind, I feel like it was just yesterday when I was like 22, yeah. you know, doing that. And now I'm sitting here talking about it and it's like over a decade ago. It's just like blows my mind that I've been trying to act for this long. Yeah. <laughs> also, get used to wild. it. <laughs> get used to it. Oh yeah, man. It's when, it's when, it's when grown adults start telling you like when I was a little kid, I watched you. That's when you really start to feel like, Oh fuck. I've been doing this a long <laughs> oh, time. I've um, had that a little bit with Pitch Perfect yeah. fans that are like now 16 and they're like, I remember uh-huh. when I was so little, my mom wouldn't let me watch that. And I'm like, oh, God. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> now, were your parents, you say you kind of, you know, your parents are a little bit strict. Uh, and and also the life I know from firsthand, the life of a young actor performer can be pretty libertine. I mean, you know, you're because you're just, you know, it's. Yeah. You're not, you're with, you're with a, you're with a, a crowd that's prone to experimentation. Let's just say. Uh, 100% and, know what you're yeah, talking yeah. about. Yes. And, and would you, I mean, were your folks worried about that aspect of it? Did you, were they even aware of that? If that, I mean, I don't know if that was going on or. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think that they were fully aware to the extent of how liberated I was yeah, yeah. Yeah, at the time. Yeah. I think I kept a pretty good facade. You know, I think that I grew up and I learned how to keep things a little undercover um, yeah. growing up in that household. And I think that it definitely translated to when I was living my best life in New York City and having the most fun uh, ever. Um, I I I definitely had a blast. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I definitely feel like I've lived like 10 different lives even today, like sitting here, you know, 
talking with you about it. But they yeah, didn't know. I, they didn't know for sure how, how. I don't. I don't. I don't think most. <laughs> just from my experience, most people don't know. Like when you're trying to be an actor, comedian, whatever. Like, and you start doing it in your twenties. Like, people do not realize. Like what debauchery goes on and how it's just like you know that's just how it is and i you know mm-hmm. i not it's just it's just there's lots of like okay yeah sure yeah there's you know? a lot of people all yeah. saying okay yeah sure so when you yeah, get a yeah. group of people all saying yes, yes. you're all free like the possibilities are endless. I mean, are, I, I, I will say, I will say this is kind of, oh no, I don't even know if I should say this. Oh Lord, my dad's going to kill me. Um, I, I was lucky enough to have like a single dorm room in college yeah. where I would have like lots of parties. Like I would have people over all the time and it was on the first floor. So people could come in and out of the window. Of course. You know, nice. We, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, but like apparently like my friends nicknamed my dorm room. And, and what? Yeah. And the and nickname they... for my dorm room my freshman year was Consequence Free Island. <laughs> <laughs> Real catchy. Rolls right off the Rolls tongue. Rolls right off the tongue, you know? I'm actually going to make a, a reality show about that and use that title and do a spinoff. <laughs> Consequence Free Island. Yeah. Uh, yeah I so would I... feel very proud about that to providing people. That's a very valuable service at Consequence Free Island. Yeah. yeah you're welcome. You're welcome, (laughs) North Carolina. Yeah. Um. Hey guys, Sean Hayes here. Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and I had a once in a lifetime opportunity to sit down with not one, not two, but three presidents of the United States on our recent episode of Smartless. That's because President Biden, a returning guest, brought two of his favorite pals, former presidents Bill Clinton and Barack Obama, all joined us for unforgettable conversation. It's a historic episode of Smartless as we pry into the minds of these remarkable leaders. We'll cover everything from their time in office, America's responsibilities in the world, and their personal passions in an episode full of some candid stories, insightful perspectives, and a few surprises along the way. Whether you're a political junkie or just curious about the inner workings of the Oval Office, this episode is a must listen. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to hear from three of the most influential figures in recent American history. Follow Smartless on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen to Smartless ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... The charcoal mask, great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? Uh, Hello? Hey, Janice, I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. (laughs) No, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. 
Can't you tell my love's a growing? When do things start happening for you in New York? I mean, you how do you how soon is it until you feel like I belong here? You know, like whether you're you know have relationships that sort of like where you feel like you're a part of it. Um, my first job that I got was a regional theater play, The Importance of Being Earnest in Dallas. I had to leave New York to go to Dallas. Um, and how then long after you arrived was this? Two or three months. Oh, okay. That's not, uh, that's pretty damn good. You it know? felt like forever. It did. But yeah. I know looking back on it now, people are like, wow, you didn't really have to struggle. And I was like, yeah, but that one audition with the like, thing, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, yes. so, you know, I was lucky enough to book that. And then kind of every job that I got from that was from that one job. Um, so I, I got a play, my first play in New York because of that job at a Rattlestick Playwrights Theater called God Hates the Irish. It was this really like, like lowbrow comic, crazy, uh, musical play. And then Mike Nichols came to see me in that show, uh, out of nowhere and cast me in my first Broadway play. So I remember meeting Mike Nichols after the show being like, holy crap. You know, yeah. he directed Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, The Graduate, obviously right. Mike Nichols. And then he offered me a very small role in my first Broadway play. And then that led me to getting Equus. Um, and then Alan Ball saw me in Equus and then called me to come out and audition for True Blood, which then led me to be in True Blood and move to Los Angeles and continue to work in film and TV. So. Everything yeah. kind of happened because of that one first job in Dallas, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. Do you, if if theater paid the same, would you be would you prefer to work on a live theater? Um, I think if you had asked me that question three years ago, I would have said yes. Yeah. Um, but I think the more I've gotten more film and TV, I've gotten more comfortable being in front of the mm -hmm. camera at first, it's the most nerve wracking, awful. I don't know if you, you know, experienced that feeling. I felt very self-conscious being yeah, in front of yeah. the camera, even yes. more so than in front of a live, like a, like a live audience. They're in the dark. You can kind yeah. of trick yourself to be like, right. Um, you know, my phone, I'm sorry. We can try to trick yourself into be like, I'm alone here in the audience, but yeah. when you're on set and like the camera's in here, you know, your face and like, there's a crew guy with a mic here and there's like a, a sound person just like they might be exhausted and they kind of had a bad day at work, but they're staring at you like they want to like kill you. And you're like, ah, I suck. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, you can yeah. see no, everyone and it's wild. But I've, I've learned over the past projects that there is a way to zone out, uh, not zone out, but to focus uh, on the other person and what you're doing and kind of have the camera be your friend instead of your enemy. For a while, it felt like it was my enemy more. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, focus is a big deal. And I've, I, from having to do show business acting and especially a lot of things, uh, a lot of things with recording, like whether it's dialogue replacement, ADR, uh, you know, being precise and making sure things are right on time, or, you know, for that matter, reading the announcement of something of a live show, you know, like the, the, mm -hmm. the top of the show and you got to get it right. Mm -hmm. Um, you do learn a kind of focus and I have a terrible focus issues, but I have learned the ability to be able to like, just, you know, the point where like, I actually can do things probably a little better when somebody's watching me than when they're not watching me. Yes. Just yes. not, not because, not because I enjoy it, but just because like, oh shit, now I'm being watched, 
Yeah. And so I gotta, I gotta really, gotta, I gotta like get making my own little cone of silence, you know? Yeah. The pressure, the heat gets turned up a little bit. Yeah. And I kind of learned to yeah. love that. And now like, you know, my heart will beat a little faster. Like, and I, my, my body does its own chemical thing when they're like, all right, lock it up, go back to one da, 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 and action. Like there's something that kind of physically happens to my body. Now, when I hear those words, like chemically, like my, I get into a zone, like each phrase. And I used to be like, what are these people saying? And like, I'm so distracted by it, but now I've incorporated it into my process of getting ready to speak, you know, or get ready to mm-hmm. act. It's pretty wild how that all has become a part of the process now instead of like a fight or like an agitation. It's now like yeah. I like it. Like I like when I start yeah, yeah. To hear things getting locked up on a set, you know, it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, did, uh, do, do you still like, do you, what, you know, because of the different kinds of acting and there are different kind. you know, it is a different kind of acting. When you're on, you know, it's just smaller and quieter, basically. Yeah. I mean, do you, do go, does going back and forth cause any, you know, like now that you're so like, you do so much film and TV, when you go back to stage, do you feel like, oh shit, I'm doing too much movie acting here on stage? It's, um, it, it, it is a little, it's definitely different. I mean, you can get away with just having the thoughts when you're on camera, yeah. you know, and you do get comfortable, I feel like, on a film set of not having to be totally in your body because they're not shooting you, you know, head to toe usually. Right. It's like, it's right, all right, right here. So there is something that you have to I, – I think it's actually helped me in my theater life because I think that I grew up being actually a little too big. So oh, wow. I think that it's actually had the opposite effect and actually made me – more grounded. I remember seeing Liev Schreiber in a play a while ago where he was so quiet that I was, for the first 15 minutes of the play, I was like, I can't hear this guy. Like, what is happening with him? And then I realized, like, he made the theater quieter and he made us all lean in. And that was yeah. something that I was like, oh man, like, you don't have to give, give, give you can kind of take your own personal space and have people lean into you. So I think that's yeah. something that I've, I've taken from the film world. Um, I've never been having a problem being too small. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I'm usually a little too like over the top. So people have yeah. to rein me in sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> now you've been in, so you've been in LA for a long time then. Do you, I mean, do you feel like Thank an you. Angelino now? Do you, <laughs> Well, I mean, you, I'm you know what I mean. I'm kidding. You know, I mean, but you got, because you came out here at a pretty young age. I you did. Know? I did. I've been out here now for eight or nine years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and does it feel like home now? A hundred percent. I love it here. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. I love California as a state in general. I think it's just beautiful. Um, and the people are, I mean, a lot of the people I hang out with at least are really lovely, you know, liberal minded wonderful people that we all you know get along really really well and i i like it better than new york i was getting really sick of riding the subway and cramped spaces and spending so much money for like not a great quality of life and and you know yeah I'm, yeah i'm not i'm not like living a big fancy life over here but i definitely have like more space and i have like a dog who has a backyard and to me just the quality of life yeah. is way better so i love it i love i love los angeles a lot 
I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah, no, it it takes a it takes a while, but it is a it's a nice place to live. I mean, I yeah. you know, I it took a long time for me to uh to start thinking of it as home, and then also, but then I also kind of had to start feeling like, who am I kidding? I <laughs> I live here. This is where. Yeah. This is where it's all happening, you know? Yeah, yeah. So The years yeah. do kind of bleed together, though. I mean, that's what everybody says, you know, because of the season stuff. But it's true. I mean, but it doesn't feel like I've been here for eight years. It only feels like I've been here for about three or four, to be honest. It kind of yeah. freaks me out when I think about how long I've been here and how many different lives I feel like I've led here. I mean, like, I've yeah, yeah. been through some stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, yeah. I, it's cool. It's cool. Now, do you... Do you, I, you can, we can also, we can cut this out if you want to, but mm-hmm. I know you just kind of recently got divorced yeah. and, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and, uh, how, I mean, you don't have to talk specifically about it, but I just went through a divorce and mm-hmm. I just like, it's like, is there something that you feel like you could tell people about it that, I mean, obviously not me, cause I completely have my shit together. <laughs> I'm, I am, I've got it down. <laughs> Well, me too. Uh, like, oh man, I was like, I was sad for like two days, and then I was like, "All right, <laughs> life's back on. Get ready for the Richter show." Um, no, but I mean, it's 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 a huge, huge thing. I mean, mine was after twenty-seven years of being together, and I mean, wow. was it was it a difficult thing to switch back into single life? I mean, it was. It was to be honest. I mean, um, I'll, I'll I'm like kind of an open book, you know. I that was my second divorce. So okay. I had been married before. Uh, also, I had met my first husband when I was 22 um, uh-huh. and moved to L.A. with him. And then things got all shaken up. He was also an actor. And then we were never in the same town together and like completely grew apart. Um, so I, I basically did seven years and then seven years with my second husband. Um, uh-huh. And it's definitely an odd feeling living alone for the first time in 15 years. Yeah. You know, I, I was definitely terrified of that for a while. I mean, just being like, it's so quiet. <laughs> so yeah, quiet. Yeah. And I, I have my dog who's been with me through, through so much, but it was a little bit like, am I just going to be sitting at home? Like in a rocking chair, you know what I mean? Like staring at the wall, drinking a martini for the next, like, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, but I did know. And we both knew as a couple that things weren't working, that we both were not happy. So the risk of going, I don't know what's on the other side of this, but I know that it's got to be better than what's happening now was worth it. I think for both of us to say we had to, to separate. Um, yeah. but man, I tell you what, like be living alone and, and, and sitting here going in the middle of the night being like, Oh God, you know, like <laughs> I'm all alone. Yeah, yeah. Like what's like, it just is kind of scary. Like actually, yeah. um, and having to be and sit alone with your own thoughts for the first time like that really in 15 years was wild, but then it became just like very fun. <laughs> yeah. The, the, well, I, I, for me, a huge, uh, a huge thing to overcome. And, and I was, you know, I had, I had kids and it had been, we'd been married for 25 years. So I was like, really for me, there was, there was part of it. There was, I'd have flashes of like, Holy shit. I kept my own place. Yeah. Like, wow, (laughs) this is amazing. Yeah. I can watch whatever I want on TV and no one's going to bitch at me. I mean, I still could 
watch what I wanted to watch when I lived with my family, but mm-hmm. I would get bitched at. I would have to, <laughs> you know, like I'd have to defend my viewing choices. Yeah, um, yeah. And I would have I would have days where I wouldn't have anything to do, and I would feel like, oh, I don't have anything to do or anyone to do it with, and poor me. And then I started to realize, no, don't you mean? I can do whatever I want. Yes. Like, don't you mean like, like the, the day the world is my oyster and this day is mine. And you know, it took some convincing. It took oh me God, to convince yeah. myself mm-hmm. out of like, no, it's not, it's not pathetic. It's actually kind of great. You know, it's a but, process um, though, isn't it? But, but those days that you do feel that freedom, I mean, aren't they just great? Like, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. If, if I could days? go to the grocery store without a mask on, it would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, now it's a little different. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Like now when you could go different. to a bar or whatever and just like sit there, yeah, yeah. you know, and like yeah. stay out as long as you want to. Like those are yeah, those were good days, weren't they? Those were just oh, filled, like, they good sure were. Yeah, when you could stay out as long as you want to, and I would, at about ten thirty, I'd be like, I'm going home. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, now you have a couple things uh, to plug. You have uh, there's a sh- there's a movie that's out right now that's on uh, video on demand, correct? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, on Netflix, and that's mm-hmm. and that's called Lovebirds. The Lovebirds. Lovebirds. Um, oh, Lovebirds. Yeah, yeah. That's the, with uh, Kumail Nanjiani and yeah. Yes, love and, them. Issa and Rae. Issa Rae, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and um, did, was that not in the theaters, or did that was it? Did it get? It was uh, supposed to interrupted by pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we were actually the we were going to premiere at South by Southwest, so oh, we were wow. all gearing up, and then that's when the whole thing got got pulled. Um, and then it was going to be you know in wide release all over in movie theaters, and obviously that's not happening. So we went straight to Netflix, and lo yeah. and behold, we went to number one, which is pretty awesome. Oh, cool. So. Cool. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, I need to I need to check that one out because it looks really fun and they look like like they look like a really fun on screen couple. And yeah. Have, heaven knows uh <laughs> the the first Pakistani man African American woman on screen couple that I can think of. Yeah, and know, they never Pakistani really mentioned that in the film, which is what I love. It's, great. it's not a thing. Yeah, that's, and I just yeah, yeah. played the white woman who tortures them. So isn't that exciting well they don't mention they don't mention their race but they do have a white woman who tortures them because it's got to still yeah yeah played by yours truly but yeah no it was Uh a wild ride we shot that in new orleans all night shoots so the scene that 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 i'm in that you'll see is we shot that at 4 a.m and i have to be completely crazy and i definitely am a little bit like my unbreakable kimmy schmidt character and i tell you what playing crazy at 4 a.m is a lot easier than playing crazy at like 2 p.m so i was glad to be in the middle of the night (laughs) <laughs> totally losing it. It was great. Yeah. What's your call time when you start shooting at 4 a.m.? Or, 6, or... 6 p.m. You, you sleep all oh, day. Wow. And we were there yeah, during yeah. Mardi Gras, which was crazy. So we were sleeping oh. during Mardi Gras. And then during everybody Mardi was Gras. getting up to go party in the middle of the night. And we were going to work. It was wow. pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's a fun movie, though. They're yeah, great. They're great together. Yeah. Were you there a long time? I was there for about two weeks. Oh, okay. Only, yeah. I'm kind of in and out. I, I'm also at the end of the movie. Like, there's this weird, um, like, kind of, of sex orgy party um, where we're oh, sex orgy party. You know, sure. <laughs> just like yeah, yeah, just like college. <laughs> <laughs> One of the sex orgy parties. Yeah, you know. Uh, <laughs> 
and then and then you also have another Netflix uh, uh, movie that is starring Nassim Pedrad uh, called Desperados. Is that correct? I am. I am. That is coming out July third on okay. Netflix, and it's a fun girls trip, crazy hijinks movie where we go. We shot half of that in Mexico City and half in Cabo. San Lucas, um, and it's just a wild, crazy ride with a bunch of girls doing crazy things. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I actually saw they sent me a preview thing, and I watched like the I watched some of it. Oh, you I did? did? Think, I, yeah, I did <laughs> think it like it's so like it's such a good scam to write yourself a romantic comedy. I mean, I know you didn't write it, no. but to write yourself a romantic comedy that takes place at a resort. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, yes. Like, if you're going to have to do this romantic comedy, you might as well make it on the beach in Mexico. I tell you, you what, know? when they offered me the role, I did not think twice. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, let's I go. Yep. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> let's yeah, go to Mexico. Let's do it. But it was crazy because yeah. it was a lot different. From, we were in some weird locations in Mexico City, and everybody got sick. Like, everyone oh, got really? so sick. So by the time we got to Cabo, everyone was like, oh, hallelujah. We, like, were trudging, <laughs> you know what I mean, into the thing. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was, uh, we survived. We all survived that shoot, for sure. So was all the stuff that wasn't the resort, was that shot in Mexico City? Like, her apartment and all the interiors and everything? Yeah, or? all, all wow. in Mexico City. Um, and uh, it was, it was, it was, it was. It was different. It was a different kind of experience shooting that movie there, I will say. Just like there was the crew was huge. Like it's going to be so weird to go from being on a set like that where there's like just so many people and so many crew to now going to when we do reopen everything having like a very limited amount of people being on set with you. Like I had never seen a crew that big ever. Yeah. Like it was just like people to do things, but I mean, it was, it was, it was just, a, I don't know, Mexico city. Do you know, know Mexico city at all? Have you spent time there? I have, I, I, I went there once and, uh, it was to do, we did the Conan show from there. Okay. We, we taped a few, a few episodes of the Conan show. And yes, it is a very, it's a much more structured kind of like, it almost feels like there's government involved. It does. Yeah. 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 Like, like that, that somehow this is, that you're not just making a movie with a production company. You're also making it with like Body officials in the stuff. Mexican government. Yeah. 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 And like, you would and have just, people escorting just, us around like from place to place in some sections of Mexico city. And they're like, you cannot get out of the car or you can't yeah, leave that, your trailer. We had the same thing. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's an, it's a, it's fascinating to go and, and be doing something that you would normally be doing like in LA or unless having it be, just a different energy, you know, while you were shooting. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I hope people like that movie though. <laughs> yeah. No, it looked, I mean, from what I saw, it was really fun. Yeah. And, uh, and you guys and uh, Sarah, what's her? Sarah the, Burns. The, Sarah Burns. Yeah. yeah. The three of you are really funny together. Really great. It's a, and, um, and I've always, I, and this seems great. She's always, I've always like. Yeah. I, I, you know, I am glad to see her at the lead of something like me that. Too, so, me too. Me yeah. too. I was happy. Yeah. We all got along really well and, and just, you know, laughed our butts off when we weren't shooting and when we were, which is great. And Lamorne Morris, who I love from New Girl, plays uh, uh-huh. her love interest. And he's great. There's a, just a lot of funny people um, yeah. uh, in the film. And I feel like it's just a great time. Like, you can't leave your house. We can't travel right now. But if you want to pretend like you're in Mexico, 
You know what I mean? You can yeah. you can watch little desperados when that comes right. up. You can yeah, watch people making terrible mistakes. <laughs> Uh, getting wasted and doing everything yeah, yeah. they should not be doing. Yeah. Well, um, the second question of these three questions, that was the first one that mm-hmm. we just covered, where you're from, um, is where are you going? I mean, what do you, I, do you have any sort of like concrete, secret, you know, Anna Camp plans, any uh, world domination? Um, I definitely know where I don't want to go. <laughs> Okay. I I'm, I'm the I'm, Marines. Yeah, <laughs> the Marines exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um. No, I I definitely want to make sure that I'm playing roles that I haven't before. Like I, I I'm at a yeah. point now where I'm creatively tapped out when it's about these type A blonde quote unquote seemingly perfect women. Like I yeah. I can't actually creatively do that anymore and i'm very thankful for all of the roles that i've done but i'd rather say no and work less and have it be on projects that are actually gonna make me a better actor yeah um so i know that i want to continue to seek out roles like that and and have people see me in a different light like i'm i'm gonna fight for that too and i will constantly fight for 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 getting that, those types of roles. So that's where I want to go, I guess. Um, yeah. As a more dramatic um, route in my career, and I'm lucky that I do have a movie that I, I worked on that I love so, so much called Here a While that's coming out next month where I actually got to embrace that side of myself and I haven't, you know, mm-hmm. for a while. So I'm, I'm excited for people to see that. Um, and where is that? Where's that one going to be? That's going to be on Amazon and video on demand and iTunes. So like all streaming services. I don't think it's coming to Netflix, but it's coming to like every, almost every other streaming service available. And what's it, what's that one about? That one is about, uh, the death dignity act. Um, so my character is diagnosed with terminal cancer, but she's decided to end her own life on her own terms by using, um, this medication. So it's, it's not legal yet in, in all 50 States. Um, and it's something that like, I would hope to get the word out about by, by people watching this film. Um, because mm-hmm. it's about, you know, having freedom of choice to, to do with your life, what you want to do. Um, and so, and I, I just, I, I it's, I've never had a harder acting challenge ever than this role also. Yeah. So, um, we'll see. I hope people, Watch that one for sure. I will. Thank you. <laughs> I will. I'm going to just sit here until it's on. Okay. I'm just going to wait. <laughs> I believe you, Andy. I do. I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Do you find, do you find it frustrating? Cause sometimes I do, and I don't know what to do about it because I have a, I, I'm not like a great self starter. Mm-hmm. And I do find sometimes the, the life of, an actor is frustrating because there's a certain amount of passivity to it in that you're waiting for a job to come along Mm -hmm. as opposed to really making things happen for yourself, which a lot of people, you know, have the ambition and the drive and the, the, whatever it is to do that. Mm -hmm. And do you get frustrated by that? By just kind of feeling like I'm just sitting here looking at the phone, waiting for it to ring a hundred percent. No, no a hundred percent. Oh, you do. Oh, you do. Oh okay. yeah. No, no, no. A hundred percent. I mean, that's why I 
have decided to start producing some stuff. You know, oh, okay. recently I've like created a show that um, actually Michael Showalter, who directed Lovebirds, um, we're uh-huh. we're producing together, and we just pitched that last week, and we are waiting to hear if people are gonna buy that one, which is cool. And I optioned a book, um, and I'm hiring a writer to uh, adapt it to a screenplay. Like I'm trying to not just be an actor because if you do just sit by the phone, like you lose your damn mind, you know, you feel like a slave to this business and I don't want to feel like a slave to anything ever. Like I, I love acting and it is what I do and it's how I make my money, but I I don't associate it with like my identity as a person or I would be, I would be miserable. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it is true. When you, when you just, when you just take jobs, you take the jobs that they see you as. So Mm -hmm. they're going to keep casting you as that, person over and over and over which you know it's it's hard sometimes to say that in public like i'm tired of playing the same thing mm-hmm. because there's a lot of people that will be like oh what do you shut up just take the check and do it and it's like yeah yeah but you know it's so easy for people to say that when it's not their life exactly but, you know, i'm not this is your life that's the thing i'm not complaining yeah. about any job that i've ever done or ever you know been given the opportunity to do, I'm saying that like, aren't you guys sick of seeing me play the same part? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, wouldn't yeah. it be nice to see an actor that you like know for a certain thing and like you're so used to them doing kind of shake it up and surprise you in a way? Um, I know that like, I'm desperate to do something like that. So no complaints, yeah. but like, man, am I ready to to branch it out? A little bit. Yeah. If I have to like shave my head, I don't know what I got to do, but like I'll I'll try my damnedest, you know. <laughs> right. Don't shave your head until somebody pays you. To. Okay. That's my advice. Okay, I, I actually agree um, with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, what have you learned? That's the third question. You know, like what do you what do you think? You know, I mean, it it can take the form of. Well, it doesn't even have to be work related. It, it, is it is it advice to people say what's your advice to your younger self or to young people or mm-hmm. I mean or do you have you sort of landed just on some sort of philosophy that helps you I think I've learned that it's always gonna get messed up that things are always gonna be crazy it's it's never gonna go as you planned nothing like if you get yeah. dead set on your marriage being the end all be all of your life. Like you, like that's not going to happen. Like, or this, this job is going to be the perfect thing that leads to the next thing. Or it's always going to shift and change no matter what, like, like, like to embrace this kind of idea of impermanence, I think is something that I've really tried to do over the last few years and know that nothing will stay as you think it will. Like, I think that allows for experience and opportunity to just be what it is, you know? Like, if you hold on to something too tight, like, it's, it's, you can't. You can't. You just absolutely can't. So embrace the fact that things are inevitably going to change and get messy and weird and, you know, piss you off or whatever. Just expect that. So, therefore, when things don't, you're pleasantly surprised and delighted. You know, I think, yeah, yeah. I think that's the main thing I've learned. Um, yeah. <laughs> and Yeah, that's good. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah, because, no, but I mean, it's, it is, it's true. It's, if you, 
you know, it's good to have a plan, but it's also good to be able to improvise, mm-hmm. you know, it's, and, and you can't let one, you know, you also don't want to be a, a doomsayer. You don't want to <laughs> no. be like, everything's going to get fucked We're up. We're all you know? going to die one day. Blah, yeah, blah, blah. Yeah. No, no, but to but, spin yeah. that in a positive way and to be like, this is, it's beautiful. Like we do only get like one shot at this life that we know of, you know what I mean? So don't mm-hmm. sweat the small stuff either. I know that's like a pillowcase cover and like a bumper sticker yeah, yeah, or whatever, yeah. but it's really true. Because if you care yeah. so much also about what everybody thinks about you or whatever, like you're going to go your whole life not being authentic to yourself. And then you're going to wake up one day and it's going to be like poof. So enjoy, enjoy and yep. embrace embrace the fact that it's all going to be changing anyway. Anna Camp says, fuck them. That's what Anna <laughs> Camp says. You know what? Fuck them all. Do what you want. Do what you want. Make, make your yeah. life the way you want your life to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. Screw it. Just do it. <laughs> Screw it. Just do it. <laughs> well, thank you for coming on this thing. Thank you for spending some time in your day. That was delightful. Uh, um, well, thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And uh, and thank you all for, uh, you know, ch- check out what, uh, well, first of all, check out uh, Anna's upcoming things. We got Desperados. We've got, uh, tell me. Here, here a while is the project that's about um, the Death with Dignity Act. It's called Here a While, yeah. and I'm really excited about that. And uh, The Lovebirds is out now on Netflix. The Lovebirds. I couldn't think of the name of it. I got, I got brain issues. No worries. <laughs> all, right, all right, all right, Anna. Thank you for, uh, for, for, uh, you know, zooming in. Of course. And all of you out there, thank you for listening. And we will get back at you next time on the Three Questions. I've got a big, big love. The Three Questions with Andy Richter is a Team Coco and Earwolf production. It's produced by me, Kevin Bartelt, executive produced by Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Chris Bannon and Colin Anderson at Earwolf. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, associate produced by Jen Samples and Golit Sahayek, and engineered by Will Becton. And if you haven't already, make sure to rate and review The Three Questions with Andy Richter on Apple Podcasts. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at tmobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com.